Well, good morning, everyone. Can you hear me? Good morning. Good to see you. Good to hear from you as well. As uh, Anna said, my name's Tom, and uh, I lead the team here at Hope, and I'm going to be continuing our series called Surprised by God this morning. Now, it's been quite a big uh, week of news. We've kind of got the uh, coronavirus stuff sort of rumbling on in the background, but we also have uh, petrol shortages at the pumps, people sort of fighting over the last pump. We have... uh, kind of warnings of potentially astronomical rises to uh, fuel bills coming over the months to come. It's a lot of joyous news right now, isn't it? And uh, political tensions in different nations. And then to top it all off, and perhaps the most kind of seismic um, moment of the last 10 years was on Monday night when simultaneously Facebook and WhatsApp and Instagram were down for about nine hours. Now, for some of you, that was huge news. It was, it was crazy. I mean... People didn't know what to do with themselves. For hours we were without selfies, without endless scrolling, without likes, without sharing weird kind of conspiracy theories on Facebook and all this. People didn't know what to do with themselves, so they took to Twitter, because that was still running. They could still post their unsolicited opinions on Twitter. And one lady on Twitter said, God help us if we have a photogenic sunset tonight. I mean, did, did sunsets even exist before Instagram? I don't know. But it was chaos for hours and hours. People didn't know what to do with themselves. Now, aside from a slightly comical kind of outage of social media, uh, it's quite clear that we are in very unpredictable times. No one could have predicted that Donald Trump would become the president of America. No one could have seen that one coming. No one could have seen the, the pandemic coming that struck last year. No one could have seen that coming. We're in unpredictable times where something that goes on thousands of miles away in a meat market can lead to such misery and chaos and whole countries being shut down and now economies set back years. Uh, com- you know, conversations and decisions taken only a few hundred miles away can lead to fuel shortages and kind of supply chain issues around all the kinds of things that we take for granted. It's the case that one mistake from an engineer or a fault in a computer in North America somewhere can lead to us being unable to communicate with friends and family in the way that we might choose to do so. And I know that some of you, when you meet someone new, you don't even exchange numbers. You say, find me on Instagram. I don't know how you coped on Monday night, how, how you can actually communicate with people in that way. You might have to start sharing numbers just to be on the safe side or take addresses. That might be even the best thing to do and send by pigeon or something. I don't know. But just as, you, just as you can't step out into the same river twice because it's always flowing, you can't step out into the same world twice. You don't return to the same family twice. Everything is changing all of the time. One Greek guy said, the only thing that is constant in life is change. This is the world in which we live. It's unpredictable, it's changeable. And our world is undergoing some massive changes, like assumptions that... Only five years ago, we would have all gone, yeah, that's right and true, are now being kind of in courts and in the courts of uh, social opinion are being rubbished. Things that we might have thought, no, that just makes sense, that's true. Only a few years ago are now things that you can't say. Change is happening at a huge pace. If you if you'd pluck someone out of the 1950s and place them into today's society, they would be absolutely bowled over at the pace of change whether that's uh, politically, societally, or just technologically. All these kinds of things are huge. Some of you remember the 1950s. I won't look at you too closely. Some of you remember the 1950s. 
and you are just still reeling from the amount of change that has happened in the world over this time. And some of you, you've only just graduated from college, and when you were born, there was no social media at all, and there was no smartphones at all. And in the year 2000, we sent, on average, 35 texts a month. Now we send, on average, well, sorry, we now check our phones, on average, 160 times a day, and 65% of you sleep with your phone at night. That's huge, isn't it? So that at every moment of the night, if you so wish, you could see who loves you, who wants to contact you, you can see what's going on in the world. <clears throat> and that's just technology. There's such fast-paced change. Things are so frantic. And there's volatility around the economy, around relationships, around our health. And it's no wonder that we are in the middle of an anxiety epidemic. We really are. There's huge issues around anxiety. People don't know what's going to happen from one day to the next, second-guessing what might happen. People struggling with sleep. People struggling with all kinds of things because they're so anxious. What you need is an anchor for the soul. What you need in times where change is just so fast-paced and frantic is an anchor for the soul. You need an anchor for the soul that goes beyond space and time, something that is unchangeable. What you need is to know the God of the universe, who is unchangeable. You need him as an anchor for the soul. You can't live without that. You can't live without an anchor for the soul. And there's, there's only really three options to really, uh, for where to put your trust. The first is to trust in other people and to, to think they're going to they're gonna make it all okay. If I'm, as long as I'm with them, it's going to be okay. And the problem with trusting in other people is that they change and they let you down from time to time. And one day they won't be around any longer. And so to trust in other people, ultimately, is going to lead to disappointment. It's going to lead to despair. So that's option number one, is to trust in other people and say, as long as I have them, then I'm going to be okay. But they let you down, friends, girlfriends, boyfriends, husbands, wives, best friends. They let you down. They will change. They won't always be as reliable as you'd hope them to be. You'll be thrown into despair from time to time. I thought I could trust in them, and they've let me down. Politicians, some of you, you have your hope. If we can get this guy in power, then it's all going to be okay. He'll let you down. Jobs, whatever it might be, bosses, they will ultimately at some point let you down. So option number one is to trust in other people. And some of you, you've kind of got over that. You're thinking, I can't trust in anyone. I've tried it, and it's led to disappointment, and now I'm only going to trust in myself. But what happens is, when you trust in yourself, is that you shut everyone else out, and it actually dehumanizes you in some ways. We all know people, I think, that have just said, I'm not trusting anyone. I'm not letting anyone else in. I'm not going to trust in anyone else. If you don't know anyone, then maybe it's you. But you say, I'm not going to trust in anyone else. It's me, myself, and I. So you can trust in others, you can trust in yourself, or you can kind of develop that thought of, actually, ultimately, others are going to let me down, so I can't put my ultimate weight of all my trust in someone else. You can come to the truth of actually seeing that God, the one who has made all things, is the one in whom we can trust. He's the one we can put our full weight upon. 
So today we're going to be back in uh, Exodus chapter 3. This is where we were a couple of weeks ago. This is the second book of the Bible, and it describes the, the amazing way in which God freed uh, the Hebrew people, his special people, from slavery in Egypt. They're in slavery to this superpower, Egypt. They're being forced to build cities for the Egyptians, and Exodus describes this amazing story of how God comes to a guy called Moses, who's a Hebrew guy, a Jewish guy, and grabs his attention with a bush that's on fire, but it's not burning up. And uh, we touched upon this a couple of weeks ago. Tim touched upon it briefly last week, and we're picking it up again today. So back in in Exodus chapter 3, verse 4. Now, when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. This is where we focused in on a couple of weeks back. We saw God is holy, that he's other, that he's set apart, that he is not like us. He's awesome. Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. And then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. He's the God who sees. This is what Tim helped us to understand last week. He's the God who sees. He's not aloof and uncaring. He sees. I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? And God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. So Moses is commissioned to go and see God's people freed from slavery in Egypt. And understandably, Moses is a little bit skeptical about this. He's thinking, who am I to do this? 
How, how can I go to a superpower? I mean, just imagine for yourself if you had to go to the most important, most powerful person in the world and make a set of demands. I mean, who are you to do that? And Moses is thinking, who am I to do that? Who am I to do this? And who shall I say has sent me? And God says some of the most important words that he has ever uttered to mankind. He says, I am who I am. This is so important. It's so important we understand this. He says, I am who I am. This speaks of his absolute being. It speaks of the fact that he has never had a beginning and he will never have an end. It means he is absolute reality. There is no reality before him and nothing exists in reality that he has not willed should exist. He is the, the basis of reality. He is utterly independent. He needs nothing and no one. He's dependent on nothing in order to exist. We are dependent, friends, on a whole bunch of stuff to exist. God is not dependent on anything in order for his existence. And this is where I want to really zoom in today. When he says, I am who I am, he's declaring, I never change. And today we're looking at the God who never changes. What, just think for a moment, what is it that Moses needs as he's been asked to go to a superpower and make a serious demand? Let my people go. He needs to know that God is holy and other. He needs to know God is set apart, not like him, awesome. He needs to know that God sees and that he cares. And he needs to know that God will not change. That it's not the case that he's going to go on this and God's going to actually change his mind and say, no, actually, I didn't mean that. No, he needs to know God is holy, that he sees, and that he does not change. And friends, whatever you might be facing in your life, as we look around at the world where it's changing all of the time and maybe kind of in the micro level all around you, there might be lots of change going on. What you need to know is that God is holy, that he's other, that he's set apart, that he sees you, that he cares, that he's not aloof from your situation and that he does not change. You need, to, you need that as an anchor for your soul. You need to know these things. And so whilst this story is three and a half thousand years ago and we might think we're kind of looking on at some other existence entirely, that's a temptation sometimes, isn't it, when we're reading the Bible, when we read the Old Testament, we might think this is such a life, this is a completely different life. We need to understand this is the same God. And we can have confidence in this same God. So we're going to look at four things that it means when we say that God doesn't change. Firstly, God's character doesn't change. His character doesn't change. The, the concept of God developing or growing is not found in the Bible. You will not find the concept of God uh, growing in some ways in here. If, if someone is to grow in any way, it's either from uh, lesser to greater, from greater to lesser, or from immature to mature. That's the only three ways that someone can grow or develop. And the Bible knows nothing of that whatsoever. God hasn't ever matured. He's never had a moment when he looks back and thinks, what was I thinking? Like, what was I wearing back then? Like, you sometimes look at photos of yourself and think, why did I bother growing my sideburns really long? What was all that about? What was I thinking? Or when we think back to our actions as a youth or as a young adult, what was I doing? 
Why did I say that? I should never have done those things. God has never had a moment where he's thought, hey, listen, I, I wasn't really thinking it through very well. Uh, can you put that down to youthful naivety? Can you just kind of just forget that I ever said that? No, no, he doesn't develop or mature. He's never had a moment where he says, upon reflection, I was wrong. Upon reflection, I overreacted. I've got some things wrong in my, my zeal. No, no, he's never had to, to grow in any way. He's utterly consistent. Nothing can alter the character of God. He never becomes less truthful or less merciful or less good than he used to be. The character of God is and always will be exactly what it was in the Bible times. His character doesn't change. What he is now, he is eternally. And it says in the book of Malachi, he says, I am the Lord and I do not change. This should bring us peace. Friends, this should bring us peace. When we look around at a world that is changing rapidly, it should bring us peace to know God never changes. And at any time when we come to him, we're going to find him to be consistent. It's so important because I am inconsistent. If I've had a bad day, if I've had a, a day where it's heavy, if I've had a day when I, my mind is, I don't know, you might know this when you come home from work and you think, I have just got so much in my mind right now, my housemates or my, uh, my wife or my children or, or my husband, whatever it might be, I just, they can just, for a few minutes, I just need some me time. I just need some time where it's just me, where I can just relax. You never find God in that position. He's never in a moment where he just says, guys, just leave me alone. I need some me time. He's totally consistent. And so you can come to him and you're not kind of second guessing, am I going to find God in a receptive mood? He's always in a receptive mood. He's, he's totally consistent. And he's not thrown by stuff that's going on in the world. He's not thinking, Tom, I, I will hear your prayer later, but the, the, the petrol thing is really getting to me right now. <laughs> like the, It's a headache and I've got my energy set on that and I'll hear your problems later. No, 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 he's totally consistent. His character doesn't change. This is an anchor for our soul. You need this. You need to know an anchor for your soul. You need to know that God's character doesn't change. And so when you come to him, if you know Jesus, if you've placed your faith in him, you've been adopted into the family of God. And you get to come before him, and he's a good father. And you're not kind of thinking, am I going to get dad who's a bit distracted? Or dad who's a bit cross or frustrated? Some of us, we've known that. You maybe have known that in your life. I couldn't go to mum or dad because if they were stressed, I just, they would, it was a no-go zone for a few hours. Listen, when you come to God, you can know he's totally consistent. It's not like, oh, which, which God am I going to get today? No, his character doesn't change. How he's revealed himself to be in the Bible, and you know, we, we see most clearly what God is like when we see Jesus. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the, he, there's no sort of kind of dark, horrible God in, behind the back of Jesus. No, no. You get to see what Jesus is like. This is God's character. And he's always consistent in his ways. He doesn't get into a mood. He's receptive to us. And you need to know this. You need to know when you come to him, you get a consistent, loving, heavenly father who wants to do you good and who wants you to come to him. doesn't want to hold you off at arm's length. So he's consistent in his character. Secondly, 
God's purposes do not change. God had purposes in coming to Moses. It was, yes, that his people might be set free from slavery in Egypt. It was, yes, he didn't want to see them in oppression and suffering and difficulty, but his purposes were actually greater than that. His purposes were laid out to a man called Abraham, whose story we heard a little bit of last week, who was a man with no kids and who God said, I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, as the grains of sand on the beach. I'm going to bless you. Your family's going to be great and it's going to be a blessing to the whole world. Through, through your family, the whole world is going to be blessed. Every nation on this world is going to be blessed through your family. And the New Testament Writers make it very clear that now that promise has been fulfilled in Jesus. That when Jesus came, a descendant of Abraham, his family line traced back, he's the one now through whom the whole world will now be blessed. This Jewish man, Jesus, it's now through him that the whole world will be blessed. The whole world could come to know God and to know the blessing that he brings in our lives and can be a blessing in their uh, towns and in their contexts. And so God's got this purpose. He's made clear to Abraham that he wants a people for himself. And so in freeing uh, the, the, the Hebrew people from Egypt, he's got a purpose. He wants to bring them into their land. He wants them to be a light to the nations. He wants them to shine brightly. He's got purposes in the world. What he has purposed, he will do. What he has decreed to do, he will do. And, and we can have peace in that, friends, because sometimes we might look around the world and we might think, has God kind of lost the plot a little bit? Has he kind of taken his eyes off things just for a little while? Some, some religions teach that, that God started it all off and then he just went off somewhere else to do something else. And we might look around sometimes and think, this doesn't seem good. And the problem with our kind of, like something of our generation, we, we're kind of a little bit narcissistic, so we, can, we kind of think we've, we've got it as bad as it's ever been in all history sometimes. We can think, oh, it's never been this bad. But God has been there and seen it and done it. And it has not ever altered his plans in the world. Yes, there's difficult things going on, but all throughout, he's working out his plan. It says in Psalm 46, God says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in all the earth. I'll be exalted amongst all the nations. Friends, some of us just really need to hear that today. That God says, be still and know. I, I am going to be exalted amongst all the nations. Be still and know. Some of you might sit up watching the news late at night, thinking of you're seeing wars happening here, pandemics happening there, issues with supply chains there, and you might... You might, you might actually might lead to you being sleepless at night thinking, is this just chaos? Is this, is this ever going to be right? <coughs> Listen, God is in control and his purposes do not change. And he is gathering for himself a people from every nation and tribe and tongue. He's doing it. He's doing it. He's doing it here in Ipswich. He's doing it around the world. And I want us to hear more and more and more of what he's doing in different nations. As I hear, I'm encouraged. God is doing things right around the world. He says, be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted amongst all the nations. He will have a people for himself. We needn't fear that God's lost the plot. We needn't fear that maybe he's changed his plan. Maybe he has gone and left us. No, he 
is about a great work in the world. And we can be at peace and know. We need to let this anchor the soul. Thirdly, God's truth does not change. Sometimes people say stuff that they don't really mean, or they say stuff that later down the line they have to retract because it's no longer true, or they just think, I shouldn't have ever said that. God has never known that moment. He's never known that moment where he said, upon reflection, I now retract those words. I shouldn't have ever said that. I didn't really mean it, or maybe I did mean it, but I'm sorry for saying it. That is not like us. We say things all of the time that we think, I should never have said that. I shouldn't have put it that way. You might be living in regret of things that you've said. As Morris even helpfully shared earlier, maybe one of those things that you think, it's a bit of an undetonated bomb just kind of in the background. You're thinking, I, I can't go near that. I've said some things I should never have said. We want to pray for you later. But we say things all the time we don't mean. Footballers say things like, I'm never going to leave this club because it's my boyhood club and I love it and I'll never leave. And then three weeks later, they're offered 20 million pounds a year more than what they're currently earning and they're suddenly out the door. And I'm really grateful for that club. It was a great club, but I, you know, I had to go. This happens all of the time. We go back on our word. We say things we don't mean or we say things that we break down the line. God's truth never changes. It says in 1 Peter chapter 1, all people are like grass. And all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. This is really key for us, friends. At Hope Church, maybe you're just checking us out. You've heard that we've opened this building and you're coming along, working out what we're all about. This book is really key for us. It's it's something that we we, we want to base what we're doing on. Sometimes people say, I think this is a progressive church because they're sort of trying to feel for a word that best describes what they might see. They might see some vibrancy or some uh, contemporary music or whatever and think it's a progressive church. We're not a progressive church. We don't progress from this, friends. We're, we're, we're a people of the word of God. And we, 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 li- we live our lives on the basis of what God's word says to us. His truth doesn't change. He doesn't kind of think, I did say some things a few thousand years ago. I don't really mean it anymore. In fact, my, my, my thinking's changed. I've been thinking, I've been reflecting, I've been deconstructing my words a little bit. No, I didn't really mean it. No, no, we, we base ourselves on this. So if you want to know what we're all about, this is so key for us. We want to look at the New Testament uh, pattern of church life and see that's how we want to build church. We want to know what God is like. We don't have to guess. His word tells us. If we want to know what creation is for, we don't have to kind of make it up. No, his word tells us. If we want to know what Uh, gender is all about. We don't have to kind of reach for some academics. No, no. His word tells us. We want to know what marriage is all about. His word tells us. So we're not fumbling around kind of thinking, making it up as we go along. Because listen, that is what's going on in the world. And there's been such rapid change in so many of these things. And you might think, it's just a few more years of change. And then probably around 2025, maybe a few years time, it's all going to bottom out. And we'll have an agreed set of morality. We'll have an agreed set of truths that everyone in the world agrees to. No, it's going to keep changing. It's going to keep changing. And some of you who have been around since the 60s, I mean, you've seen it change and change and change and change. And maybe at times you thought, it's going to stop changing at some point. People are going to start, you know, start kind of seeing some things clearly and we're all going to agree some things. It's not going to stop. It's not going to stop. I think we need to know that. Things are going to keep changing. Some of the things that you might have looked on in the news recently thought, how, how, does that, how can they define that as that? 
And in 20 years' time, you're going to be bowled over as to what the next thing is. It's going to keep changing. And so we need an anchor for the soul. So we're not confused. So we're not tossed around. We need the Word of God. We need to stand on it. That we might be secure amongst all the confusion and the change. We need to cling to the Word of God that never changes. And listen, we don't lambast others with it. We don't say, hey, you, you've got to live by this and what God lays, how he lays out his, uh, how he lays out his plans for creation. No, we want people to, we appeal to people, be reconciled to, to God. That's our appeal. First and foremost, be reconciled to God. Come to know him. Get your sins forgiven. Get, get, be completely cleansed. Everything else begins to change on the back of that. We don't tell others who don't know this God. Hey, you've got to live like this. You've got to do what this says. Now we appeal to people, be reconciled to God. That's our appeal. Now listen, this might be bad news for you. If you've come along this morning and maybe this is all new for you. And maybe you kind of hope, I, I kind of want to hear some things this morning that will affirm me. That will affirm the way I'm living my life. Will affirm the decisions I'm making. It might be bad news for you to know actually... God doesn't affirm every decision you make. And actually, he does have ideas about how we're to live our lives. And we each fall short. And so it's bad news in that regard. God's not changing his mind. He's not kind of lowering his standards. He's not saying, okay, forget about it. Just sweep that under the rug. No, no, he's not changing in regards to his truth. And that might be bad news for you this morning. He's, he's not changing in, in, with regards to his moral perfection, He's not just suddenly saying, okay, I'll lower the bar. No, no. The bar is high, friends. It's a high bar. So it's bad news. We just left it there. It's bad news, isn't it? Listen, there's such glorious news. I want, to, I want you to hear this. God's son does not change. That's the fourth thing we want to focus in on today. God's son does not change. Jesus Christ is the always existing son of God. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. And God the Father sent his Son into the world that we might, yes, more clearly see what God is like, that we might come to a fuller understanding of the character of God, but ultimately that he might lay his life down, that he would... Be, be the mediator, the one that brings together two parties of this holy, perfect God and sinful, fallen men and women like you and I. He came to lay his life down on the cross. He came to take upon himself the punishment that your wrongdoing and wrong speaking and wrong thinking deserve. And my wrongdoing and wrong thinking and wrong speaking deserve. He came to take that upon himself. It was no accident. It was no tragedy. It was the plan of God that after living a perfect life, Jesus would be there on the cross for you and I in our place. And he rose again victorious. We've sung, he stands with victory in his hands this morning. He's victorious. He rose again. And it's now that as we place our faith in him, as we look to him, as we trust in him, that God counts us not only as forgiven, but as righteous, made completely right, justified completely. 
as we trust in him? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ? Have you once and for all time said, I, 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 in and of my own self, I cannot do it. In and of myself, I fail, I mess up, I change my mind all the time, I go back on things I've said all the time, I fail, but now I've seen that there is one who's never failed and I place my faith wholly in him. Have you done that? Have you said, I trust in you, Jesus? If you've done that, then not only have you been forgiven completely, but you've also been completely justified, completely made right. You are now righteous in the sight of God, and Jesus Christ is your righteousness, and he never changes. That's good news today. That should cause our hearts to leap for joy because I have a righteousness before this holy God and it never changes. And I might mess up one day and I might do some things wrong one day and I might let my family down another day, whatever it might be, but my righteousness stays the same. I'm righteous in Christ. I'm his forever and I belong to him and he's done it. I couldn't do it. God's son does not change and you can know him today. You can place your faith in him today. You can trust wholly in him today and you can know God making you right with him forever. You can know that. God's son does not change. Jesus has made a way. It says in Hebrews chapter 7, this is glorious truth. It says this, There were many priests under the old system. This is verse 23 of chapter 7 of Hebrews. There were many priests under the old system For death prevented them from remaining in office. But because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. There was this old system of priests and having to bring sacrifices to the temple every year and the priest offering a sacrifice on your behalf and they died and they had to be replaced and they died and they had to be replaced. But Jesus, having, raised, having risen from the grave, is now alive forever and he is now our priest forever. And he always lives to intercede for us, to say, they are made right by me. And so we can come to God with confidence because of what Jesus has done. And he never changes, friends. So tomorrow when you wake up, if you've had a bad night, maybe you've kind of had all kinds of anxiety in your mind, tomorrow morning when you wake up, Jesus is your righteousness. He's the one who's made you right. When you get to your lunch break, you think, I'm going to spend some time with God. He's the one who's made you right. It's not your own good efforts. It's not your own kind of will. It's not how many verses of the Bible did I manage to read today. No, it's Jesus who's made you right. And you can know this. You can know this. He never changes. So I want to pray. I wonder if the band could be ready to kind of lead us in praise and worship as we we sing. There are three places to turn in this changing world. You can turn to others. And you can place your trust in others. You can... Say, I'm I'm going to place all my weight on them and they will change and they will let you down. You can say, okay, I'm going to just trust in myself and you become bitter, become closed off and ultimately you'll let yourself down. You can trust in the one completely who never changes. And it's actually as you trust in him, as you trust in him, who never changes, then you can actually appropriately trust other people because you're not placing all your weight on them. 
you're not crushing them with your expectations. That happens sometimes. That happens in marriages a lot of the time. When you become so dependent on someone else, you crush them with your expectations. But actually, if you are trusting in God, if you're placing your weight on him, then you can appropriately trust other people. When you trust in the one who never changes, the one who's never going to let you down. I want to just pray a prayer that I want you to follow me in if you want to give your life to God today. If you want to put your trust in him for the first time. If you want to trust in what he's done in sending Jesus. I want you to pray in your heart with me. And then I'm going to ask us to stand. And I want to pray for all of us. And then we're going to sing. So if you just know, I need to get right with God. Just pray in your heart, in your mind with me right now. Maybe even put it in your own words under your breath. Lord, I recognize that there have been many places that I've turned for security in this world of chaos. And I recognize that each one of them have come up short. I've been let down. I've been left confused and disorientated. And now I see that you alone are the one that I can put the full weight of my trust on. I see that it's you alone. I see Jesus who went to the cross for me and I see that he can be fully trusted. And so, God, I put my trust in you now. I trust in what Jesus has done for me. I trust that he took my sin and shame on the cross. And I put my trust in him all my days. Come and forgive me. Come and cleanse me. Come and bring me into new life now. Amen. Amen. If you've prayed that, we'd love to pray with you some more. We'd love to talk with you some more. The prayer team are going to start to gather, just even as I come bring things to a close. The prayer team are going to start to gather over to my right here. You might want to just go and pray with someone, talk with someone. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to give you a Bible. We'd love to help you in your next step, which will be getting baptized. You can see what baptisms are like next week because we've got a whole bunch of baptisms next week. This is your next step. Listen, just as we close, there's a great line in The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe where Lucy, one of the girls, she sees Aslan. She hasn't seen him for some time. She says, Aslan, you're bigger. And Aslan says to Lucy, that's because you are older, little one. And she said, no, not, what, not because you are. He says, I am not. But every year you grow, you will find me bigger. This is the adventure that we get to go on, friends. Every year we grow, we get to find God to be bigger. Should we stand together? We're going to sing. Father, would you help us as we grow to see that you're bigger, bigger than we ever imagined? bigger than we ever dreamed. Help us to trust you. Help us be those that trust in the one who never changes. Help us to know you're consistent in all your ways. I pray, Lord God, that this week we would lean on you, lean on your consistency. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's sing.